0: You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Well, hi, everyone. Simeon here. Welcome to Informed, uh, where today I am sat down across Zoom with none other than Mike Frisbee. Good morning, Mike.
1: Good morning, Simeon. Great to be with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good to see your face, um, at least in 2D. Maybe one day we'll see it in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We're, rec- we're recording this in January, um, so in the middle of uh, lockdown three, and uh, we've just been talking about the the lack of, the lack of seeing people and how that's uh, not the easiest, even for introverts like us. Um, so, Mike, I like, uh, uh, like to put my guests on the spot and uh, ask you to tell us, in, in a minute or so, why are you a Christian?
1: Well, that's um, that's an interesting one. <laughs> in one minute, yeah. Uh, mainly because somebody told me the good news about Jesus. And uh, when I heard it, um, God did something in my heart that brought me into relationship with him. And uh, so it was his initiative uh, when I was very young. I was a child of, of 10, but somebody explained the gospel to me very simply. And uh, I realized my need of Jesus and uh, asked him into my life to forgive me of my sin. And uh, so that I could trust him and belong to him.
0: Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Like a very simple moment like that has changed the entire course of your life.
1: Certainly, at that age, you don't realise all the repercussions. Um, but the reality of it is
0: is very, very real. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, we're going to talk today about um, freedom and uh, what the Bible has to say about freedom, and and we're we're doing this topic because uh, I think it might have been on a short list that I was throwing together for this podcast, but you came back and said you've been doing some writing about it, Um, so what what writing have you been working on?
1: Well, um, I'm writing a book at the moment on, uh, I guess the big word we would use is sanctification, Uh, by that I mean once we have received Christ into our life, we've been born again, how do we live um, for, for there on in? Um, I'm not a theologian, uh, but I love studying the word of God mm. and uh, particularly looking at, uh, you know, how does this work out practically? How should we now live? And uh, so uh, one of the things that I've been trying to tackle uh, is the place of the law in our lives. Once we become born again, uh, what's this all about? You know, uh, do we have to follow these standards and these rules and so forth? Uh, because we know we're saved by grace now and uh, uh, Roman says that we're discharged from the law. we no longer have to keep it in that sense, but does it have a place to play uh, in our lives so that we can be different uh, so that people can see that difference uh, within us not only as individuals uh, but as a community together. So not just a, a sense of you know we're moral people but what are what are the real sort of differences and how do we how do we work that out in life really?
0: Yeah. And when you talk about the law, do you mean specifically the first five books of the Old Testament? Or because I'm thinking, you know, there are things like the Sermon on the Mount, which is very practical instruction. And, and some Christians would probably shy away from that thinking, oh, that's legalistic. I don't do that.
1: Yes, I, I think uh, myself, it's a combination, really, uh, of those things, because, you know, Jesus said in Matthew five on the Sermon on the Mount uh, that he had he'd come to fulfill the law. Uh, but he also said, like in John's Gospel, um, that if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you can look at all of those uh, kind of areas, really. Uh, not only those, you know, the Torah, the first five books and all that's contained in them, um, but right the way through the Old Testament, even, and then on to the teaching of Jesus as well. So how do those, you know, how do we react to all of those is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at.
0: Yeah. And and so freedom is an interesting dimension of that, isn't it? Because one of the most famous freedom verses, Galatians five one, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't don't therefore be subject. Don't go back and be subject to a yoke of slavery. Um, that's talking about freedom from the law, isn't it? It is not it Yes. And yet at t- the same time, Jesus says, "If you love me, you'll keep my commandments."
1: Yes. And uh, that's the dilemma. I call it a paradox. <laughs> and the way I'm trying to phrase it when I've been writing is uh, to, to phrase it in this kind of way, that um, the question really is, you know, are Christians uh, called to the, keep the law? Uh, or are they uh, totally free to live under grace and do whatever they want to do because God loves them anyway? Mm. So the paradox really is, uh, I, I would say, that, or the answer to the paradox or the question is, uh, Do Christians have to keep the law in order to be saved, in order to be in God's family, in order to be part of uh, his people? Um, The answer would be, no, we don't. But on the other hand, um, do we, as God's people, uh, need to live in a different way? Uh, Does the law uh, inform how we live? And should we be a different kind of people in the way that we live? And uh, has the law something to say to that? And of course the answer again is is yes. So we don't need to obey the law in order to have a relationship with God in the sense of our salvation. But certainly once we have been uh, set free, if I use the freedom word, uh, mm. then the fruit of that freedom uh, should be a changed life as, as was God's intention uh, for Israel. And uh, I think that's why sometimes you need to start back in the Old Testament uh, when the law was given and ask that question, uh, you know, why did God give the law? What was his purpose in giving that law? Was it, was God saying to them, you know, if you live this way, uh, then you'll be my people, I'll accept you, um, I'll make you righteous. Uh, why did he give it? That's a really important um, sort of question. I've been trying to look at that.
0: Mm. And he does, it, he gives it to them after the Passover, don't, doesn't he? Which Which is often pointed out.
1: Yes, uh, and I think that's uh, yeah, what we call after redemptive grace, after God had delivered them um, with the Passover out of Egypt. It was only afterwards that he uh, gave them the law, and uh, it was much more uh, to be uh, something that made them distinct to the other nations uh, around them. And uh, I think that's very important because it has a parallel with us. It's, uh, again, to be the fruit of our, our salvation uh, not to bring us salvation, but should be the fruit of it, a changed life, a changed people. And uh, when Moses speaks uh, to uh, the Israelites, you know, he, he talks very much about how God wants them to be his treasured possession. And, uh, and that's one of the points of the law, really, is to bring about change in the people in order that God might delight in them and that they may reflect his character, his life. Um, into the world to be a light to the nations and uh, that's a a really wonderful thing I think that's why we find very often you know like in the Psalms uh, that we find the Israelites actually really delighting in the law Mm. and I think that was God's intention of giving the law because the law reflects uh, a lot of God's character Um, when you think of the laws that are there in the first five books um, they demonstrate something of the heart of God and his compassion, his love for people, his desire for creation, uh, desire for relationships between uh, men and women. And uh, God, I believe, wanted us to delight in the things he delights in. And uh, and when we do that, as John Piper says, you know, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so the law, you know, was to be for them a delight. And in the Psalms, you, you get that over and over again in Psalm 19, Psalm 119, uh, they talk of the, the law as being a delight, being more valuable than riches. And uh, I think sometimes because of that, because of the Galatians 5 thing, where we know the controversy that happens there in the New Testament with Paul and the false teachers, I think we then get a, a bad view of the law, um, that we can see it as something, oh, let's keep away from that. We don't want to become legalistic. We don't want to be following laws, but actually it has a lot to say to us in terms of how our character is built, how we live as a, a community of God's people, and that's very important.
0: Yeah, so when when we look back at the law as Christians, um, you know, Paul's very clear that we're not under that, that law covenant. Um, would it be fair to say that we're, we're reading the law in a different way, so we're not we're not necessarily looking for we're not necessarily looking to follow the specific instructions about mildew in our house or offerings or sabbath or whatever but we're looking for for principle you know they were instructions God gave to those people at that time but we're looking to generalize from that to see the kind of things that are important to God's people
1: yes i think looking back in the sense of the old testament of what things if you like, apply now or just apply to Israel. I mean, there's some work uh, to do on that. Um, But as you say, I think it's the principles that are are drawn out from it. But I think the big distinction between us and, if you like, the Israelites is that they were seeking to follow the law in their own strength, um, in their own human effort and achievement, uh, whereas we are people of the Spirit. Mm. And so the Spirit helps us uh, to discern um, you know what God requires of us and he helps us do that in part by by the scriptures because uh, he's the author of the scripture and so so it takes a little bit of um, unpacking um, so I for example I particularly like um, Christopher Wright's um, ethics for the the people of God in the Old Testament mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's a really helpful book in trying to sort through some of those uh, close issues but I think the real key which Paul, in a sense, is picking up in Galatians 5 is that we are now people of the spirit and yeah. we are led by the spirit. So after, uh, you know, chapter five, as you, you say, as you go down it, he's uh, being very strong about not going back to a yoke of slavery, of trying to keep the rules and regulations and so forth, but living by the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit, walking with the spirit, and also the uh, the fruit of the spirit that he talks about, um, which is, uh, you know, works through when you think that Jesus, when he was asked about, you know, which is the most important, uh, which is the greatest commandment, uh, of course, he replies by, you know, loving God and loving your neighbor. And so I think that's probably why James talks about the royal law. In other words, that comes from our King Jesus, that it's the law of love. And Jesus said, you can sum up all the laws um, in those two. And it's the spirit that enables us uh, to do that, uh, the spirit living in us. And also the result of uh, our new birth. Um, Because in the new birth, God promised in Jeremiah and Ezekiel that he would give us a new heart and a new spirit and that he would write uh, his laws upon our hearts and that the Holy Spirit would be given to us and that he would move us uh, in order to be obedient to those laws. And uh, so it's that distinction really of we are now people of the spirit that doesn't mean we throw the law away. And and Paul you know, talks about that, you know, he's obedient to the law as well. Um, but it's not, as you say, like a rule keeping or you know, making our way to salvation through that, putting ourselves in God's good book so we can be declared righteous. Um, we do it now in the power of the spirit. Um, as Paul says, you know, the letter kills, um, but the spirit gives life. Mm. And so the spirit dwelling in us is able to do within us as we cooperate with him uh what our own human achievement and and seeking you know to follow the rules and regulations could never do for us
0: Mm. and and some people would say that was that um that was you know the the law was never a way to get saved um it was a response to their salvation and so the difference between the old old testament the new testament isn't oh god cared how they lived and he doesn't care how we live because we're under grace um it's actually as you say the the same kind of of model of god saves you by grace and then he says um right you're to be a new kind of person now and in the old testament that's you you get that through the external law but in the new testament you get it through the internal spirit and and that makes all the difference all the
1: difference (laughs) <laughs> and it's, it's living um you know paul talks about something in in chapter five that the only thing is is you know is like working through faith and so it's our, our trust on a daily basis in in the work of christ and what he's done for us and that we are his sons and daughters we aren't new creation um but it's the spirit that helps us to apply the word uh, into our lives and and so we we live from that basis of walking in the spirit Um, which is an entirely different way uh, of living and that's why you know our our life with the spirit is so vital and so important uh, to us if we are to live the way that God wants us uh, to live it's interesting you know I I talked about the the fact that you know the old testament law God said you know he wanted them to delight in the law as as he did but he, he also says he was given this law that they might be a distinctive holy nation Mm. And uh, that was one of uh, the purposes of the law was to to shape them as a radical community uh, that would be a light to others. And I think that's important. uh, As you say, bringing out principles from the Old Testament helps us to to and see that we are. um, So he says, you know, there to be a holy nation and there to be a kingdom of priests, which is exactly, of course, what Peter picks up. Yeah. Uh, his epistle you know when he talks about you know we are a royal priesthood and, uh, and so forth and priests of course in in the old days were meant to be like uh, uh mediators between god and the people and to teach the people and so israel in that sense you know through its law uh they they were to show that light you know to the nations of a different society of a radical way of living and uh i think we're called to do the same i mean jesus in the sermon of the mount puts it more in terms of uh, you know we are salt and light mm. let your light shine before men but it's the same calling that really israel had and yet certainly uh, at times uh, you know they made it in other times you, you know they they failed uh, you know tremendously which of course is why jesus comes and jesus fulfills uh, what israel should always uh, have been and that's why i think the isaiah um, you know servant songs are so interesting Because at times you think, uh, is this talking about, you know, the nation of Israel? Or is this talking about a specific person? But of course, Jesus, you know, lives that perfect life, which he sacrificed on the cross. But the purpose was that, um, you know, they should be a light to the nations. This is what God wanted. And even as far back with Moses in Deuteronomy, um, he was saying, you know, that these laws that God gave will make you a distinct people so that people will, will ask and say, what, what is this? You know, why are you like this? Um, it should arouse curiosity. And I, I find the challenge. I wonder whether, uh, you know, uh, others would say that about me, <laughs> about yeah. us. Um, is that, are we, are we just seen as do-gooders? Are we just seen as kind of uh, people of good morals? Or is there something distinctive um, because of our, our commitment to, to God? and uh, to follow his ways and to follow the leading of the spirit in our lives.
0: Mm. How how do you think that works out because there are lots of people in the world who don't follow Jesus who do lots of good things. It, what does distinctiveness look like in in a world and say in a society like ours where kind of being nice is um is 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 upheld as a a thing that everyone
1: is aspiring to maybe. I I wish I could answer that in in a more definitive term, Simeon. Um, I think it's it's very much to do with how we live I think as community. I think one of the the sadnesses is I think we we so often look at the Christian life just as individuals and of course uh, uh, you know even in terms of um, in our culture now um, uh, of freedom That freedom is seen as freedom to choose, uh, you know, what you want to believe, how you make up your ideas of, uh, you know, what the world's all about, what the purpose of life is, how you should live, uh, how you should act. It's all down to me, you know, to construct my own uh, view of the world. But freedom for us is different. You know, it's freedom from sin, uh, but freedom, you know, to live a life that honors God. And Paul is always talking in the New Testament about living lives that uh, are worthy of your calling. And so I think it has to do with, um, you know, not just uh, simply, you know, that we are, are down on sin, but rather the more positive things. Uh, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, we should be known for a people uh, where that fruit is seen of love, joy, peace, patience, and, and demonstrated. So we don't want to decry that other people um, in the world do, quotes, good. Um, but it depends how you define good. Um, I remember that Jesus said there's none good, um, you know, but God alone. And, uh, but we should be reflecting um, the character of Jesus into the world. We're, we're seeking as his disciples to follow him and to be like him. So I suppose uh, uh, sidestepping the question slightly, <laughs> well, one would say, you know, well, surely we should be walking like Jesus, becoming more and more like him. And, uh, of course, on our own, um, you know, we talk about a family of disciples on mission. Uh, you remember one of the things that we wrote in that as a little sub uh, subline, really, was that uh, we were increasingly mm. following Jesus. And uh, I think that's it, really, that we're becoming more like him. But I think that in our day, you know, that needs to be seen in community as well. The kind of community we are and the way we are to each other and the enormous, enormous uh, sort of weight that's put on our, our relationships, you know, in loving one another, encouraging each other, forgiving one another, admonishing one another, all those kind of one another verses um, demonstrate so much about how we are meant to live as a, a community, our community life. So not just as individuals. So yeah, people do good around us. And I think even in COVID we've seen some wonderful things happening with people. And I, I think that's uh, you know, partly a demonstration again of the fact that we're all created in the image of God. And we all have that sort of potential there. But the spirit living in us should make us distinctive. People should be able to, to see that. And one wonders, you know, in uh, in Acts, when they first call uh, the followers of Christ Christians, <laughs> you know, little Christ, um, what was it about them in their style of life? Um, and, and I guess that's been so down uh, through the years, really. Um, but it's our obedience, you know, to uh, the commands of Christ and so forth that should bring that about Hmm.
0: is it i like the way you're you're talking about that in in corporate communal terms um rather than just an individualistic this person has been this person has become a christian therefore they now live differently there's that's true but there's this this dimension of where which is not just a thing on the side but central to being saved is being in the body of christ isn't it we're jew and gentile ephesians 1 ephesians 2 are both reconciled to god in one body um and uh, uh you reminded me of, of john's gospel saying it's by our love for one another that everyone knows we're disciples of jesus That's
1: right yes i think uh, you know this this again you know jesus summary of the law love god with all your heart mind and, and soul and strength and uh, love your neighbor as yourself and that should be reflected and um and I think it's, it's interesting in that Galatians 5 passage, where where Paul says uh, that, you know, don't use your freedom as an excuse, as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, you know, is, a, is an important one. So in that, I think Paul is saying, you know, there should be a distinctive about us, yeah. um, because we should live in a different way. And I think that's the sadness um, very often when uh, you know, you hear of uh, folks, you know, falling, if I can put it in that way, sometimes in a very public way. Yeah. Um, that, that really that doesn't help our cause <laughs> in that way. And I know that we, you know, we all are faced with temptation and things, but, uh, you know, living that different. And that's why I think we need each other. Uh, you know, some of the, you know, when it talks about admonish one another, Um, You know, it's not not a sense of telling each other off. It's an encouraging each other, uh, you know, to really live the life um, that we've been given uh, through the great salvation that God has has made, uh, given to us in Jesus. So very important.
0: So coming back to the idea of freedom. um, There are some ways in which um, that could be misunderstood, aren't there? there's there's some senses in which we're not free. We're not free as Christians to do whatever we like. Um, We're not free to use our freedom from the law to um, hurt one another. Um, Do you think there are other ways in which the idea of freedom can be misappropriated?
1: Um, I suppose, you know what, sometimes we we call cheap grace in the sense of, um, well, because I'm, I'm... you know, my relationship with God is is based on grace and, and the finished work of Christ. It doesn't really matter, yet, you know, what, what I do uh, in life. And I suppose it's the, the, the whole sense of license, really. I, I'm, I'm safe so I can do anything. Um, I think um, uh, there's an interesting quote by Kevin DeYoung. He says, the Bible gives us a different way of talking about freedom. Real freedom is not the ability to be whoever you want to be. Real freedom is the ability to be who you ought to be. There is a right way to live, and this means that there is a purpose to our freedom. I found that a very helpful um, mm. quote. Um, yeah. And uh, so it's a right way to live. God has a, a right way for us to live, and um, and uh, we need to follow that. And that's what makes us distinctive, or should mm. make us distinctive. Um, but yes, we can. We can. Uh, in you know as as paul says we can indulge our sinful nature well it really doesn't matter because you know god loves me anyway and um i know some years ago there was um you know books brought out you know which were really trying to address that really trying to get people to understand that god loves you anyway um and on one level of course that's true he does (laughs) um you know god loved us when we were sinners when we were rebels Mm-hmm. um that's the amazing thing about god's love it was while we were sinners that christ died for us um but uh, as somebody said you know he loves us too much to leave us as we are because he he wants to see um his reflection in us and actually to live his way actually brings benefits and, and a wonderful blessings and so in, in god giving us these if you like right ways to live uh it's not uh, some kind of um religious slavery, if I could use that phrase, but it's something to to bring joy uh, into our lives. And um, there's those interesting verses in John's Gospel where Jesus talks about his own obedience uh, to the commands of the Father. And he says, because of that, I abide in his love. And uh, he says, like uh, you said, you know, given this new command that we love one another, um, he says to his disciples, "If, if you love me, You'll obey my commands. But I give you these commands, he says, that you might abide in my love and in the Father's love and that my joy may be full in you. So yes. rather than this kind of picture of, oh, we must keep the law if I don't, you know, well, you know, punishment's coming. Um, Jesus is trying to draw us into the fact that, you know, these laws are are right and they're good and they bring blessing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they allow us uh, to come close to God in our relationship with him, which affects, uh, you know, what we, what we do, what we say, how we act, how we behave. And, uh, but it brings joy into our life and a deep sense of peace. And it causes us, you know, to know deeper fellowship with the Father, which is a wonderful motivation <laughs> in terms of, you know, seeking to live the way that God outlines for us, because we know that his heart for us, um, is that we should uh, you know be blessed and uh, that we should know him because uh, he wants us to be his treasured possession. Uh, he wants to delight in us and there's lovely verses from the Old Testament where it talks about God' singing over us. I mean amazing uh, mm-hmm. kind of things to realize that God loves us in, in that kind of way that he rejoices in us. Um, I suppose in a similar way to uh, uh, you know one feels that you know when God speaks from heaven, about jesus this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased um it's a, it's almost that you get the feeling that you know god couldn't the father couldn't contain himself anymore he had to had to say it and i think that's how god wants to feel about us too uh, you know th- these are my beloved children uh, these are my treasured possession um these are, are my people and uh, and that's a, a wonderful thing
0: mm. And would it be fair to say those those verses in Zephaniah about God singing over his people? He's he's singing over his people after he's purified them from their unfaithfulness. And so his, his delight is wrapped up in our obedience to him, is it?
1: I think, I think it is. I think uh, in the sense that, um, you know, God does delight in our obedience. God does delight uh, in the way that we, we live for him. And uh, it's not the place to talk about rewards and so forth. But uh, I think there is a sense in which God uh, rejoices over his people. Um, and it is a wonderful thing. And uh, when we think of the Old Testament and the times that Israel um, goes astray, even though God has been so patient and so loving with them, it's amazing the, the way he constantly, um, I guess, you know when he first revealed himself to Moses, you know, he talked about, I'm a God uh, who's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And uh, I guess just like with us, you know, when we, uh, with our children, you know, there are things that our children do that bring us just such delight and uh, such pride. And I believe that's, uh, that's the same with God. Now, of course, we know that, you know, we can't do those things in our own strength, but that's why God gives us his spirit, you know, to enable us and to empower us. Um, and it's almost saying, really, well, you know, uh, I think that's probably why Jesus told that parable, you know, of the servant, that uh, when you have done all, say, I'm, I'm an unworthy servant. Why? Because this, what I am, has uh, actually come from God. Uh, what do you have, says Paul, that you haven't received? And so there is that sense of uh, reciprocal, really, that, it, you know, God gives us of his spirit, but he also rejoices over us when when we're obedient through the power of his spirit.
0: Mm. Oh, there's several things I want to ask you about. Um, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> what, um, so we've, we've touched a little bit on the idea, another New Testament idea of freedom, which is freedom from sin. Um, so there's a sense in which Christian freedom is a bit backwards, isn't it? To how one might perceive it. You might think, oh, I, I'm not religious. I'm free to do what I like. Now I've joined a religion. I'm no longer free. But I, I think Paul's view would be that before you come to Christ, you're a slave to sin and you come to Christ and you get free.
1: And then he says in Romans six that you now become slaves of righteousness. So it's almost it's, it's swapping, you know, one slavery for another. Um, but yes, of course, you know, the Bible talks of all kinds of freedom and freedom from sin. Again, it is a really big one. Um, But, you know, when Paul writes in Romans 6, um, you know, talking about how we've died with Christ, been buried with him, uh, risen again, you know, he goes on to talk about you must reckon yourselves dead to sin and Mm -hmm. alive unto God. And I know that was such an important truth in my early Christian life, uh, really trying to get that straight in my thinking and to really, uh, you know, try and live that way, counting myself dead to sin. Uh, And then Paul, of course, says, you know, and then present the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. So um, there's a walking into that um, uh, that freedom and that slavery to righteousness, but it, it's a it's a slavery that brings tremendous blessing uh, in our own lives and in, in the lives of others as well. But yes, it is wonderful to know that we have been you know taken out of that whole position. So I think baptism is is an important time for people. Um, Uh, sometimes i think we can get into almost a kind of ceremonial (laughs) start of the christian life whereas i think it's meant to be a a real spiritual experience in the sense of the strengthening grace that really helps us to think through that issue at that time as we start off in our christian life knowing that freedom that has been won for us at such great cost on the cross Um, but now free to to live in a way that pleases god which is i guess why de young you know talks about our freedom has purpose uh it, so we're saved from something in for something and uh, for something is to to live for god and to grow in our, our fellowship with him and our likeness to him
0: yeah when paul talks about what we're saved from and says you're you're free from sin do you think sin there is something bigger than just the things I do wrong. Does Paul have a conception of sin, which is a a cosmic power opposed to God, which has got us in its grip and we're free. What Jesus does on the cross is free us from that, that old slave master.
1: Yes. I mean, that's a good way of of saying it. I think that lots of aspects of that freedom from sin, because um, whereas I think that's the, that's the key one from the the penalty and the power of sin uh, Mm. over our lives um, I think in terms of the way that we live, um, you know, there's a cooperation with God to see that, uh, that freedom exercised uh, into, our, into our lives. And I think that when you get to Ephesians 4, where Paul talks about, you know, putting off the old man and putting on the new, you know, that, that freedom has come. But now we have to walk in the good of that. And, uh, you know, we have to put on, as Paul says, the new man. And uh, I think that's really uh, important that we do that. I love Paul's um, little bit um, uh, in Ephesians 4, where often he talks about changing life, um, where he he talks about putting something off and putting something on. So, uh, you know, you get that little, you know, lots of little couplets in that chapter where he says, you know, stop stealing, work hard with your hands so that you can give generously to others. And uh, I think... uh, it's that positive side of, uh, you, know, you know, being more godlike uh, that he emphasizes all the time. It's not just a simple stop your stealing. Mm. It's, it's a positive um, work hard with your hands so you can be generous because your generosity reflects me. And that's the kind of people um, that you are to grow into. And, uh, and then I think he treats the, the same with uh, things like speech, um, you know, talking about, you know, change the way you talk so that your speech is wholesome and that you build others up. Uh, So although this power of sin is broken in our life, we do have to walk into that newness of life. And uh, we we have to move into those positive things. And that's where, of course, we do that by the power of the Spirit. And why being constantly filled with the Spirit is so important within our lives that he brings uh, control and uh, impulse into our lives
0: the way you're talking about the spirit there doesn't sound like um falling over in a meeting
1: yes <laughs> that's very very good uh, you know i i know lots of people you know think about that in terms of you know if you're full of spirit then you're going to have spiritual experiences and uh, and that could be true i mean i've had my share of uh you know spiritual encounters with god and and the power of the spirit that is uh, cause me to fall on the floor um, but i think what paul talks about like in ephesians 5 you know go on being filled with the spirit um, it, you know it's followed that by uh, you know talking about uh, and then the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs there's there's an outflow of of the spirit in our, in our lives and so you know even when jesus uh, uh, you know says to his disciples before he goes back to heaven um you shall receive power when the holy spirits come upon you and you will be my witnesses and uh, it's the power that it gives in, in change of life um, that is really important. And not those experiences, but the way our thinking change, uh, the way our behavior changes uh, because of his work uh, in our life. Um, and that's so important that we, we grasp that. Um, I think even his contrast um, in that Ephesians 5.18 where he says, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And if you think about someone who's drunk, they're really controlled, uh, you know, by the drink. Um, And there's almost that sense of, you know, let your life be guided and directed by the Spirit. And Jesus, of course, in in John 14 says, the Spirit will take the things that are mine and will make them known to you. And so it's, it's, I believe, it's the Spirit working in us to produce that Christ-likeness and to fulfill God's purpose in Philippians 2.13. Uh, where Paul talks about, um, uh, you know, the Spirit is at work in you, both the will and to do of God's good purpose or good pleasure. And so, uh, you know, that's a really important aspect of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, has many workings, like you say, could be one podcast in itself, in terms of bringing conviction and and other things as well, uh, opening, giving revelation, illumination to us. Um, But I think this wonderful blessing of having the Spirit in us is that we might live the kind of lives uh, that God uh, is honored by and that brings him uh, glory. Uh, that's what he, he wants in our lives. And so our relationship with the spirit uh, needs to grow. And um, I think uh, uh, one of the things you were talking about too is that 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 17 and 18, You know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, but he says we're being changed from one degree of glory uh, to another. And uh, so there's a, a change going on within us because of the work of the Spirit. And uh, it's great to know that, that, you know, uh, his power's available to us. He's enabling is there with us because he lives in us. And uh, as we learn to listen to his voice, um, then and be obedient to that voice, then we become more and more like him. And the powerful witness of, of our lives is often seen uh, in that, you know, sometimes when you hear testimonies of people of how their lives have changed and how others have noticed the change um you know just uh, uh, you know brings that to the fore and so it's uh, I think god is very um uh, very wonderful to us in in terms of you know that we do have spiritual experiences we can't deny that and uh, I, I love uh, you know the romans eight where it says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god and um uh, knowing that our assurance is not simply a question of uh, yeah this is what the bible says and uh, i've done what the bible says and so i must be saved now and we get our assurance from the word although that's important but it's his spirit within us um that is uh, that is really important i think even going back as we said earlier on about uh you know my, why did you become a christian uh, i can remember you know responding to the gospel to, but then feeling that sense of, of God's nearness and presence in my life, even though I was such a young child, yeah. and um, I think that's uh, that's one of the great assurances that we have that His Spirit bears witness with our Spirit, and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes those experiences where God comes to us in a very personal way, um, uh, we can be overwhelmed with His love. I've certainly had experiences like that, um, but I think is 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 dwelling in us is to uh, make uh, bring us to a point where we reflect more and more of Jesus in, in our lives and again as a community together. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, we should begin to wrap up, but I wonder if you could talk about what that might look like practically. You know, we, we get up from this Zoom and something happens which uh, requires some love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness or gentleness or self-control out of us. Um, What what will it look like for me to process that that situation in a way that's walking by the Spirit rather than being under a law?
1: Yes, I think it's it's to do actually with um, learning to hear the Spirit's voice in our life. I mean, many of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is... uh, you know, we can have prophetic words and stuff, but a lot of it, you know, certainly my experience has been through the word. And it's not so much a question, uh, can I put, of, um, you know, oh, this is what it says, I must do this. But reading the word on a regular basis means that God often speaks to you and our minds are renewed. So when we come to situations, um, there is uh, often a prompting of the spirit, a reminding of us, um, I think it's John Piper who often talks about, you know, God's promises uh, are like the wires that run from a generator to an appliance. And uh, it's where the power goes is through the promises that as we take hold of the promises. And so when we meet situations, um, sometimes we can know what to do because there's been a, an enlightenment and illumination in our hearts as we've been reading the word. And that's become part of our everyday life. And. Um, But there's also a learning um, how to respond to his voice and also to call upon him. Um, You know, it's important to do that. So, you know, often talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think sometimes we can think the Spirit is, uh, you know, just like kind of in the ether, if I put it that way, Mm -hmm. uh, not being detrimental. Uh, But, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't realize the Holy Spirit is a person, it's the third person of the Godhead. And so our relationship with him, and that's why Paul talks about you can quench the spirit. We can grieve the spirit uh, because he's a person. So learning how to walk. um, I think it's learning uh, practically, it's learning how to walk in the spirit, that relationship with him, uh, him uh, illuminating, you know, asking him to show us things from the word and then building those things uh, into our life. And so it's like Jesus said, didn't he, and to the disciples, you know, don't worry about what you're going to have to speak, you know, when they take you into the law courts and arrest you, because in that very hour, I'll give you the words, uh, you know, to speak. And I think that that's a very traumatic kind of um, uh, scenario. But in our lives, it can be the same, that, that the Lord, the Holy Spirit can speak things, give us words, give us understanding of how we're to deal, um, you know, with situations, and, of course, there are things, you know, that when we, we cry out to him, you know, the spirit is, uh, you know, also one of his names is the comforter, you know, the, the paracletus, the one who comes alongside to help. And uh, and so he's often the one that, that brings, you know, the comfort and the compassion of God uh, into our hearts and into our, our lives. But um, rather than a kind of quick um, one, two, three, I think it's a question of building your relationship. And I, I guess that's why Paul says, you know, walk in step with the spirit it's a learning on an everyday basis to build that into your life and the more you do that um you know the more uh, you you grow and are able to handle things uh, that come into your life
0: Mm. great thank you mike well on that note i think we'll we'll leave it there um and uh yeah thanks so much for chewing over these things great topic to be talking about and uh hope hope the rest of the book writing goes well thank you (laughs) so it's goodbye from me and
1: it's goodbye from me